From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. All the time, the effort, I'm sure money because it's government. Uh, you know, all the, the advanced warning, hey, we're sending it out, we're sending it out. I didn't hear it. Hell yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike. Mike Davidson loses the name of the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for keeping me out of trouble, mostly, uh, as we hang out for the next half hour. We're talking about the uh, the EAS, the National EAS alert that was sent out by FEMA Wednesday afternoon. I think it was like 2.20-ish or something. Uh, from, from what I could tell, looking at uh, the posts and everything, there were no uh, failures with this thing. Which uh, is is a rare win for government, I would say. Um, but uh, I had my phone on mute. I always had my phone on mute. I didn't feel vibration. Didn't hear a damn thing. And the thing is, too, you know, as I work at the time, I work in a warehouse uh, setting, and uh, we like to pipe in music through the stream. And we heard no such tones. I mean, you could turn this thing off. So, what, what the hell was the point of it? Uh, okay, getting information out in a timely manner, whatever, but uh, if a national emergency happens and I'm busy with other things, I wouldn't have found out about it until hours later, which uh, was the case with me. But it went off, and uh, apparently no panic set in. That's good news. Goodness. Uh, I, I got up here uh, prepping down the living room, uh, had the news on, and... Uh, here in Fort Wayne, I'm recording this late Wednesday night. It was on this date, 45 years ago, and I know of this date because uh, listeners uh, back at my old job would remind me about this. They were at the show. Aerosmith was at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum here in Fort Wayne. Uh, they put on a show, and a whole bunch of fans got busted and jailed for uh, sneaking in booze into the facility as well as marijuana. You know, they were basically your typical teenage concert goers, 20-something-year-old concert goers. Aerosmith got wind of it, and uh, they bailed everybody out. Very, very nice of the band to do, I guess. Well, that was like a long-ass time ago, too, 45 years ago. Just to give you some context, uh, I wouldn't be born for another 15 months. My parents were not yet married. Uh, 45 years ago, uh, and Aerosmith, back then they were uh, kind of kind of in their prime. They were uh, in between their two primes, uh, you know, their early mid 70s prime and their late 80s resurgence prime. Uh, I guess that would be the comeback, but uh, they're they're old as hell now, and they're they're supposed to be doing their farewell tour this year, but they have to postpone some dates because of uh, Steven Tyler's vocals. He's got some laryngitis issues, and I, and I hope he does recover, and I hope those guys do put on some great shows. Kind of sad that, uh, as far as I know, they're not coming back through Fort Wayne. It'd be a nice hat tip to some history there, but uh, as my former boss, uh, Mr. Toluto, once said, you know, well, actually, he said to me this to me about half a dozen times, Fort Wayne has this uh, bad rep among uh, record, uh, concert promoters as a walk-up town. Like, if you're going to promote a show, you want to you know, have as much time between the announcement of the show and the show itself so you can sell as many tickets. The thing with this town is, a lot of times, tickets aren't bought until the day of. So you have no idea how big, how well the show will be attended. Uh, so, you know, unless things change, it's probably going to be too late to get Aerosmith to come through Fort Wayne, but... 
that's just kind of the rep, kind of the rep around here. Um, do like living around here, but uh, I gotta tell you, if uh, I were a few hundred million dollars richer, I might, I might opt for an upgrade in the house. My wife and I, I again, once again, got a Powerball ticket this evening. Uh, winning numbers were announced earlier. Haven't looked at the ticket yet, and chances are I'm probably going to work Thursday morning, Friday morning. Uh, well, next Thursday morning, because I have uh, a few days off next week, which is nice. But that's not money-related. Um, but I, I asked I asked my wife this question at the dining room table that night. Is like, yeah, do you ever feel like it's a trap being a Powerball winner? I mean, sure, there's um, being financially set, theoretically, for life, depending how uh, wise you are with all that cash. But, I mean, you find out you have 37 cousins. Uh, you have people that say they're looking out for your best interest and they try to rip you off. Uh, there's some added pressures. I mean, do you feel like it's kind of a trap? And she kind of, she quoted Jim Carrey of all people and said, you know, some of the most miserable people in the world could have all the money they want, get everything they want, and still be miserable. So there's that. And I'm not looking to be miserable, mind you. I just... Uh, I don't want to be bothered, but then again, that that, <laughs> that entails a whole hell of a lot in terms of having the actual money. Uh, by the way, follow up the last podcast because I talked about Band of Brothers and uh, this book I was reading, Sacred Romance, and I finished both not too long ago. Uh, and I got on the topic of uh, big versus or small versus big story, and uh, the Why We Fight episode. You know, with all these guys having their own internal struggles and their own personal demons, and then they run across their first concentration camp, and they realize just how big this battle was. And uh, this is the whole war, actually. And I'm just talking about, you know, personal struggles versus, you know, the cosmic scheme of things. And um, last night, got messaged by somebody, I want to keep this person's uh, identity secret, but... Uh, this person, uh, he goes, you know, I've, I've had several deployments to the Middle East. And before I went out there, I had a different perspective. And everything changed when I'm out there. And he goes, there's some truly evil stuff out there. Like, you know, women getting stoned, killed for the dumbest things. And he cannot stand it when people think of America as evil. And I, I agree with him. I mean, look, I, I criticize my country. I love my country. But... You know how it is. This place gets a little strange at times. But, I mean, I don't think we're an evil country. Whereas other cultures, there are other cultures where uh, the diversity that a lot of people want you to celebrate would get you killed in other cultures. And uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that. And, you know, I, I was talking more on the cosmic scheme of things when it comes to the big picture. You know, like, uh, how's it... You know, if, if you believe in God or just just how everything plays out. But, you know, he's talking about his experiences, and he's right. He's right. I, I don't think people really comprehend the whole scale of good versus evil. But uh, nice to get some feedback on that. And uh, if you want to listen later on, it is the previous podcast to this one. All right. Um, getting into some streaming talk here first some good stuff about streaming and then uh, you know the uh, the typical bullshit when it comes to streaming apple tv I, they did this last year they're going to do it again this year uh if you're a charlie brown fan and you're pissed that abc will not be showing the great pumpkin for halloween 
uh, the Thanksgiving special for Turkey Day or uh, the, the famous Christmas episode. Uh, you can download and stream those for free this year like they did once again, or like they did last year. So, they, And they got some other Christmas specials in there too, but if you're a Charlie Brown fan, uh, check that out. And I, I know I'm getting kind of the jump on Christmas, but hell, the, you know, there's going to be Christmas commercials out the ass here in the next uh, week or so. But uh, there's some Halloweenish stuff and Thanksgiving stuff in there too, you know. And those are timeless traditions. And network TV getting away from that, boo on them. Like we need to see more reality shows and game shows and NCISs in prime time. All right, the bad stuff. Uh, the writer strike ended. The actor strike is still going on. One thing that kind of got glossed over during the writer strike was the fact that I think Amazon Prime was going to bump up its prices the week prior and lo and behold uh the writer strike ended it was almost like a negotiating point uh point like okay we'll find the money by the way if you're already giving us money we need more money from you netflix earlier this week and this is why i kind of think that the actor strike will end pretty soon they said there's a price increase on the way once once the actor strike ends so there's a little optimism in that voice. But, I mean, where do you think the money is coming from when they negotiate? And if you said you, you're smarter than a lot of people. You know, the thing that gets me is like uh, John Oliver, uh, that twit. He's got that late night Sunday show on HBO. And he talked about how it was great to be back on air. And, and he couldn't do it without the writers and talk about the deal. And, of course, he starts throwing HBO and studios under the bus. This is the deal that should have been offered to us to begin with, blah, blah, blah. And when I was seeing the transcript to this rant, and then I see this story, he might as well have just been, you know, bitching and moaning at you for not paying more uh, with your cable service or your streaming service. That's what that boils down to. He's not, it's just uh, theater, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, HBO didn't have the money. Well, it, F you guys for not paying more to watch me. I if he's and if he's really a smart guy, he would know that the money that uh, the writers that that write for his show are getting, the money that they are getting, isn't coming from the fact that the executives there decided to take a pay cut. It's it's just theater. Another thing too to. Um, uh, before I wrap up on the streaming shit here, uh, the, the other thing, too, to note is that there are hundreds, hundreds of new shows in production with these streaming shows every year. These streaming networks like, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Paramount Plus, Disney Plus, etc., 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 and, you know, billions and billions are being spent uh, with this new contract negotiation with the writers. You know, they get more on the residual side, which, okay, if your show's a success, that that's great. Um, but uh, John Nolte, uh, Breitbart.com, and I know Breitbart's not everybody's cup of tea, but he had a pretty interesting uh, view on this. That means a lot of these shows are going to get uh, axed, and the only way they can really sustain this is if they, uh, you know, not only, uh, not only raise rates for these cable, uh, these uh, uh, streamers, but start bundling them. And I'm not just talking like Hulu and Disney Plus and ESPN, which are owned by the same company. But like the streamers get together and do cable part two and you pay 50 bucks a month to watch all these streamers and not have time to watch all these shows already bad enough but uh 
Very interesting take. I will link that up on the Mike Davidson podcast page, as well as this thing um, from Alan Moore. There was an interview with him not too long ago, the uh, famed comic book writer. And he kind of misses comic books, but he doesn't, because in this interview he's talking about how he thinks comic book storytelling is the perfect medium, but it's very, very dysfunctional right now. He's not wrong. He's been burned. Um, and I think it's uh, because, you know, if you're a storyteller, you you appreciate the words and the pictures being married together and doing what they do. But because there's so much money tied up in it, uh, you really can't get that story to stay the way it is. Like, oh, it, it's it's basically like every character in comic books has been you know killed and resurrected numerous times. And, you know, he, he's, uh, he said in this interview, too, that uh, a lot of the stuff that he worked on, like Watchmen, Swamp Thing, V for Vendetta, he doesn't own a single copy of anything that he wrote. And these are some pretty, pretty big stories. It's, it has to be kind of shocking uh, to anybody who's a fan, but uh, I, I kind of get it. You, you put your heart and soul into something. And then when it doesn't turn out the way it is, uh, you just uh, you go another direction. So I, to I totally get that. But uh, the Alan Moore thing and the John, John Nolte thing all linked up on the, the podcast page just because it's a lot to read. Um, by the way, uh, Bambi's getting rebooted because it's Disney and why, why the hell not? Everything gets rebooted. Uh, one of the writers says that uh, it might be a little triggering. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, to have Bambi's mother being shot by the hunter and die that way. So they're going to do her death uh, another way. Um, first of all, I'm glad Disney doesn't own Batman. Secondly, you know, I get I get that uh, that is a pretty sudden shocking thing and that would traumatize a lot of kids. But that's why the original is so memorable. Um, it's It's harsh. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent, you don't want your kid to sit through that, that's fine. Um, but if you want to have that discussion with the kid afterward, that's fine, too. Tell them everything's going to be all right. But if you are so offended by this scene, why are you remaking this movie instead of trying to do something else? Because nobody's going to remember this reboot three months after it's released. I mean, I just remember the build-up for the Little Mermaid reboot uh, all throughout the, you know, six months prior. Comes out Memorial Day weekend, makes a little bit of money, and then just kind of disappears from everybody's conscious because, uh, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie and Oppenheimer out the wazoo. By the way, Barbie here in just a few moments. Okay. Uh, buyer's remorse. Is that the case with Travis Pfizer? I mean, Travis Kelsey. By the way, I guess on the Pat McAfee show, uh, Aaron Rodgers referred to Travis Kelsey as uh, Mr. Pfizer. Which, uh, okay, I'm not a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I think he can be kind of a jerk sometimes, but i got to give credit where credit's due. That is a pretty funny nickname. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess Travis Kelsey and then this Taylor Swift thing, which everybody who's a football fan is already sick and effing tired of. It's become a thing, and I guess on another podcast I, earlier this week, Travis Kelsey was talking about how like uh, everyone's making too big a deal about this. Like, oh, uh, you know, you gotta respect uh, Taylor Swift's privacy and all this, this stuff. 
And there are people in the media that are kind of lauding Travis Pfizer for uh, being a gentleman. And, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's absolutely right. We shouldn't be sticking our nose in that. But a couple of things about this. Uh, first of all, Travis Pfizer is in a lot of NFL commercials. He doesn't strike me as somebody who's all about privacy. He's basically... I mean, He's, he's, yeah, the Pfizer commercial. Um, he's also in a State Farm commercial with uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's uh, uh, doing all sorts of commercials. Like, he's doing more than most quarterbacks would. He's a tight end. And secondly, if uh, memory serves me right, Travis Pfizer, on the Pat McAfee show, by the way, uh, actually talked about how he put the ball in uh, Taylor Swift's court just weeks ago. Just weeks ago, talking about how he got her to you know you know talk to him and all this stuff. So, what did he expect when he, an NFL player on a Super Bowl winning team, who's probably going to go to Canton, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. What did he expect when he decided to uh, start courting the world's biggest pop star? This should not be a shock to anybody. Uh, I really don't have any sympathy for him. I mean, look, I don't want to, like, dig through their trash or anything like that, but uh, for him to go, yeah, yeah, everybody's making a bigger deal about this than need be. You Just weeks ago, we're talking about how you put the ball in her court, and she's showing up at football games now and being promoted as uh, the, the main attraction at a football game when she's sitting in a seat. So, you know, Travis Pfizer having a little buyer's remorse. Who knows if this is an actual thing or not, if it's going to remain an actual thing. By the way, uh, kind of keeping in the football realm, NBA realm, uh, both Tom Brady and Steph Curry were paid a whole bunch of money to do nothing by Sam Bakeman Freed. You remember the crypto guy uh, who pulled off a Bernie Madoff and now his company is worth dick and uh, it... The media was once sympathetic with him, and now he's looking at some pretty serious jail time. But I guess he paid like uh, Tom Brady fifty-five million dollars to do a week's worth of work. Same with uh, Steph Curry. I can't believe this company went bankrupt. They paid him like thirty-five million, and yeah, he he just burned through cash, giving athletes who were already rich an insane amount of money. And there was a I saw this rumor. I don't know how feasible this is, uh, but apparently he th was actually floating the idea of paying Donald Trump five billion with a B dollars, Sam Bankman Fried, five billion dollars to not run again as president of the United States. Five billion dollars, and yeah, it's a mystery again why this company went bankrupt, but. That, that does explain why uh, a lot of uh, people in the media were sympathetic to him because, oh, you know, if he, he had money, he could he could save this country. You know, that, that's probably what some of these guys are thinking. Now, this is just rumor, mind you, and I don't think it's very uh, plausible because, well, Donald likes the limelight uh, no matter how much money he actually has. But, yeah, Sam Bakeman Freed was going to uh, use other people's money to pay another rich person uh, to do something or to do nothing. This he would be the perfect government bureaucrat. In another life, Sam Bakeman freed. Okay, uh, Britney Spears, nutcase, nutball, not nut job. Um, and people are defending her. Uh, there was, um, as you know, she was uh, 
in the conservator uh, conservatorship of her father. Her father was watching after her, and then there was a big court thing, a big to do. Ra ha ha! She gets freed. She marries a dude. She divorces a dude. She posts all sorts of insane things on social media, and this is a woman that's had a history of mental illness, and uh, we all remember her going nuts and having her head shaved in public. And a lot of us laughed at it, but when you look back at it, it it looked a little, uh, it looks a little unnerving. So flash forward to today, where like on one of her social media accounts, there's a video of her dancing around with knives to turn out to be prop knives, and I guess she it was bandaged up on one of her arms, but she's dancing around with these knives. People are a little concerned, so the cops are called for a welfare check to make sure she's okay. And then she goes on a social media rant talking about how the police are abusing their power, you know, muscling their way around. Who do they think they are? And I'm thinking, well, they're doing their job. Their job is to protect and serve. And if they have to protect somebody from themselves, they will. She didn't get arrested, mind you. She didn't get thrown in jail. She didn't get charged with anything. They just wanted to make sure if she was okay. And she's so detached from reality that she went off on a rant against them, again, for doing their job and this is kind of um, this is kind of why you don't buy into the public mob mentality whenever there's a movement about anything uh, the free Britney thing because you know I, I, I'm pretty libertarian on a lot of things I don't necessarily like seeing another adult being having their decisions made for them by another adult and I get if there's some concern about her father not being the most upstanding of citizens maybe he's not the guy to look after her but she doesn't appear to be the gal to be looking after herself and when all of her friends all, all of her fans went on this thing on social media and became a groundswell well now we get things like this and you wonder if things are going to get a little crazier than this dance video or when she shaved her head years back because I don't think she's she's not she's not in the same solar system a lot of us really are. Kind of concerning. And and as, as I said, police have a very important job, and they're always looking for a few guys, a few gals who want to protect and serve and and help the community and keep people safe and save lives and all that stuff. Michigan State Police and uh, their social media department have two very different ideas on how to recruit potential people for their ranks, especially women. I got this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. I read a little bit of this today. Um, this was from the Detroit Free Press. Apparently, uh, earlier this summer, when Barbie was just kicking everybody's ass at the theaters and making all that money, uh, the Michigan State Police uh, social media department thought, uh, well, you know what would be a great idea is if we tied in the movie to our recruiting process and see if we can get a few more women officers in our ranks. So they had a picture of a Barbie doll and a generic police outfit and all this stuff. And the internals of that post, which got removed not too long after it was uh, put up, uh, just pre uh, released not too long ago, there were officers behind the scenes, female officers behind the scenes that were upset with this because uh, Bar. It's going to sound a little silly, 
but bear with me the, because Barbie's hair did not look like it matched the uh, required length for a female police officer with the Michigan State Police. Um, the gun holster was on wrong. All this other stuff. And they were talking about how it was a slap in the face for anybody, male or female, who serves uh, in the Michigan State Police Department because it doesn't tell them the reality of the job. And the reality of the job is... When you're a police officer, it's dangerous. You're not going to be police officer Barbie hoping to change the life of meth head Ken. And female police officers, when they saw this, were upset by it. And you know what? I can't blame them. Uh, but this is another episode of when marketing goes wrong. When you don't understand what you're marketing. Granted, this isn't a case of beer because these are government jobs, mind you, but it doesn't do anything to highlight the reality of what the product is, what the job is, and the job is about saving lives and keeping order. You put, it's a Barbie doll, okay? If, if this was a bakery doing this with Chef Barbie, that's one thing, but it's, it is a government job, a very important one, and you're trying to make it, uh, you're trying to make a statement that goes over like a lead balloon. And it's funny, too, because uh, Barbie in 2023 basically had this feminist makeover where she was always a feminist icon. Where for years I would talk, I would hear women talk about how she had an unrealistic body type. And then there's that thing back when I was a kid where uh, people were upset that talking Barbie said math is hard. Well, I mean, any 10 or 12-year-old girl, 10 or 12-year-old boy will tell you that, yeah, math can be hard. Very hard. But not as hard as being a police officer. Uh, oh, uh, keeping in the realm of law and order, I meant to talk about this last podcast. ran out of time. I thought I would you know, do it right before this podcast ended. Uh, this story, too, up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Um, just to give you an idea of how bad the pandemic was for cities... In the economy in general, we're still feeling the fallout of it. You know, shutting down things, uh, only keeping those active that we deemed essential. And by the way, never let anybody else determine whether or not your job is essential. If you're paying your bills, if you're paying your rent, if you're paying your mortgage, if you're feeding your kids, it's an essential job. But uh, loss prevention, shoplifting has gone up dramatically. Um, in 2022 alone, $112 billion in revenue was lost due to shoplifting. That is a 20% increase from 2021. 20% increase. And you see the stuff that's been happening out in Los Angeles uh, with these flash mobs, uh, the riots that happened in Philadelphia last week where things were shoplifted, the continual store closures in places. Like I just saw Starbucks close like six, seven stores in San Francisco downtown San Francisco area this week they're closing that says something now I was reading the comments in this publication that put out the the star Starbucks San Francisco closures and a lot of the readers are still in denial about what's happening in that city they're just saying well there's just too many coffee shops to compete Starbucks has more money than a lot of these coffee shops it has better branding these coffee shops that these other um, uh, the, these readers are alluding to are probably dealing with the same problems 
and wondering why they didn't go out to the burbs. That's why there are food deserts. That's why there are department store deserts in cities because loss prevention has become a problem. Stores don't want to do anything about it. Law enforcement's hands are tied and it's only going to get worse. You told everybody they could work from home in 2020. A lot of people don't want to go back to the office. There's a vacuum. There's a hole that needs to be filled. And if it's not by people who are working, well, you can connect the dots. Yeah, it's getting worse. Uh, speaking of not working, thank God that there's a judge somewhere in our uh, judicial system that has some common sense. Throughout this case, I think Tuesday, man uh, filing lawsuit against both McDonald's and Wendy's for false advertising saying that the food that they serve does not look like the food that he sees in the ads. Who would have known that advertising could be an exaggeration of the product, right? Um, you know what's cheaper than hiring lawyers? Learning to cook your own damn burger. <laughs> this man went through a whole lot of nothing to do something and a lot of us just shake our heads going man get on with your life but we'll still see these lawsuits until finally they are successful I think somebody is suing Subway for not having the footlong be an actual footlong and it's just going to keep going and going and going like the next TikTok challenge I want to wrap it up with this one um, and this again your aunt sharing her opinions through memes about vaccines or the 2020 election not as dangerous as any TikTok challenge okay I know that sounds controversial but this challenge has been up for about a year or two and has gained traction once again apparently guys will hit themselves in the face with a hammer to break their jaw so that when it heals they can get that chiseled chin look they will actually break their own damn face to try to make it look better uh, so you know instead of getting a haircut next time just light your scalp on fire see what happens don't do that that was sarcasm do not attempt at home the burning of hair not sarcasm I encourage sarcasm how the hell else do you think you can get through this life? And with that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh, Jesus. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.